Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. It's all about football this weekend, lads. We've got centre stage. Let's make it a good one. It's about time. We've been we've been marginalised for too long. How many weeks? Two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) What's this? Feels like a lifetime. (laughs) Is this a rest week in the hurling? Is it? So it's a rest week. There's only one game in the hurling in the Lee McCarthy All Ireland Championship, and there's one Joe McDonough Cup game. So, like, I mean, they're taking a break off and football. There's a lot of games on. So there's two games in Moor Park. Um, Carlo and Mead and Dublin allowed. I think I'll go to the Carlo Mead one. I'm trying to plan my weekend, lads, because it's not an easy one. And then we've got Mayo Ross Common clashing with Dublin Loud. I think I'll go home watch Mayo Ross Common because that's probably going to be a closer game. Obviously, Dublin are one to a hundred. Um, so, right. and then on Sunday we have Donegal Fermanagh on telly on BBC um, and Leash Westmead are clashing with that. I think I'll go to Tullamore for that. And then Longford Kildare is the double header in Tullamore, and that's clashing with the Galway Wexford um, hurling match. So I'll come home and watch the hurling match. So there you go. <laughs> Not bad. Weekend sorted. Weekend sorted. <laughs> Two that's live a, games on TV. Oof, that's 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 weird for the Two provincial live football games. Yeah, but <laughs> we know, like, I mean, Fermanagh Donegal isn't the best one to have as our showcase uh, piece. But like, I mean, that's just going to be it. That'll be the Sunday. That's the Sunday game. Um, at two o'clock so listen we have a great weekend of football most of them will be good games you'd imagine um, Ryan McHugh has been talking ahead of the Donegal game against Fermanagh and it's interesting because like I mean he had a few concussions he had one really bad one in the in the league wasn't it yeah. and uh, he had to take 10 weeks out of the game yeah. and then he had an interesting interview I was reading I can't see where I read it but he was at a, a launch for AIB 
Um, so it was it was um, in a few different places that he was saying. I was actually doing an interview on that recently and I was talking to my dad about maybe changing the way I play my game. Again, as I keep saying, it's easy to say that sitting around a table when you're talking about stuff or chatting. Um, it's easy to say, yeah, I mightn't carry the ball as much or I might try to kick it more or I might try to change a wee bit. But then when you're in the heat of championship battle, when you're going to Brewster Park in the heat of championship battle, if there's a ball between two, then it's extremely hard to pull out of the ball. And that's it. Like, I mean, uh, McHugh, he told a story like he didn't even, he couldn't answer questions or anything in his last Mm. concussion. Uh, The physio was asking him questions. He He knew he knew the answer but he wasn't able to give him the answer so that's all scary stuff but you can't get worried and you can't change your game like I don't see how being a ball carrier really makes you more susceptible to concussions like I mean it's getting in on breaking ball and contact that's where you're getting the concussions like being a ball carrier I'm not sure can you get concussions from being a ball carrier you might get tripped up and you might get a few kind of heavy tackles in around the stomach area and stuff but I would have thought concussions come from um, going for a ball you know Mm, what I mean and and you can't ever think I better not go for this ball because I get a concussion or you'll never be seen on an an inter-county field again yeah like I was trying to think about why somebody like Ryan McHugh might get concussions I I don't think as you said I don't think that he's particularly susceptible but like he's 5'7 I think he's fairly low centre of gravity very jinky got a great sidestep so the only thing I can think of is maybe that he uh, like I know personally I have a habit nearly when you're carrying the ball you kind of nearly lean with your head kind of just you're protecting the ball and you kind of lean your head downwards and because he's so jinky and has a great sidestep he could kind of be colliding with people that are coming in to tackle him because there was I think there was he had three in a row and then he went back he played a club game and then he got another one but I, I heard the interview that he he actually gave he was talking to second captains about maybe changing the way that kind of maybe kicking the ball more as opposed to running it but uh, I, I don't know I, I think that would be an admission by Ryan McHugh that he as an individual is susceptible whereas I'd like to think that he just got unlucky on, on these different occasions you know what I mean because yeah. um, he just yeah, like it, it, it happened so many kind of had happened so many times in a row but but that's it like you, you can always well say that you're going to change your game but then doing it as he says in the heat of the championship battle is another different kettle of fish well that's the thing it's maybe taking it but maybe getting clotheslined maybe because he is that small but he's very elusive and he's got mm. a really jinky sidestep and in general fellas who are light on their feet like that won't really get caught too much but like I mean kicking it isn't going to help because if he kicks it you have to go for the return and mm. you take that ball on the pop pass then you're it, you can't avoid being going yeah. into a tackle mm. at pace on a GA field, right? You can't. Yeah. You just can't do it. So carrying the ball, he generally will carry the ball into space. I don't see him trying to slalom through too many lads. There's no avoiding contact. And if he starts thinking like that, then he'll psychologically he'll get all all messed up. Yeah, and also you're you're either right or you're not right. Like, you know, and shouldn't be taking a risk if you're not right. You know, it's not about yeah. changing your game or anything. You're either right to play or, or you're not right. But and what he does best is he ghosts. He wins ball when he's not on the ball. Yeah. So mm. that is always going to be a danger. Like he ghosts in the space when nobody expects him to, and then that's when I suppose you are susceptible to someone turning around and reacting to something. Yeah. No, exactly. So I don't. I I don't know. I'd like to have heard the conversation between himself and his father and what they came uh, what they decided on but I don't think we'll see too much um, different from Ryan McHugh Longford um, Parag Davis has been given out because they've been riddled here with players going to um, America so Darren Gallagher their main man in midfield he has been prevented from playing against Kildare obviously on Sunday we know the rules so if you want to go to America you can't play championship now he's not going to America until late June so Parag Davis reckons that he could have him for three games before he goes. 
you know what I mean which is fair enough as well and this is supposed to be a deterrent um, to going to America but it doesn't seem to be working because Longford have had four lads going we see Lee Brennan has left the the, the Tyrone panel um, we don't know whether he's go- definitely going to America yet but we'll have to wait and see but Rian Brady from uh, we remember him from Mullinahokta Desi Reynolds he's going as well and Peter Lynn who played wing back last year he's going too so um, it is Darren Gallagher is or no Desi Reynolds is actually an interesting one in that he's going to New York so he was precluded from playing league which is incredible the New York mm. County Board if you're going out you're not allowed to even play in the league so if you want to go to New York for the summer you have to completely take one full year out of inter-county football you have to decide before the league that you're going to New York yeah you can't well you can't if you decide if you've played league you can't go to New okay, York right, that year right. so like they in, in the San Francisco Boston and Chicago boards you can play the National League but if you play a championship then you can't go you can't go out there so that's what they're doing they're all having to drop off the panel uh, Jesus I'm I'm a little bit I, I don't like this to be honest because like I mean what's against Darren Gallagher playing against Kildare playing another couple of games he's told Porrick Davis last October now I'm spending next summer in the championship I want to be involved until I go Porrick Davis says no problem because generally managers won't stand in the way of any player because this is part of growing up it's an experience for the summer that most a lot of J1 students do that never played GEA and the great little added bonus for GA players is that they'll get their flight paid out and they might get a few quid at the end of it and they come back then and t- make it easy on their parents in, when they're in college the following year. Isn't that fantastic? Why try to take that off them or make it hard? So yeah. why not just let them do both? Because the way Porrick Davis, the, the, some managers gave out that players are just um, abandoning the squad after a first round loss. And that's fair enough. I think if you just landed on your manager that it makes it difficult on a squad but like the likes of Darren Gallagher's case where he's been upfront and honest since last October Paul yeah. Davis has accepted it seems very very cruel on him that he can't play you know according to Park Davis three uh, three games before he heads off yeah and late June as well so like the, the Super 8s are what middle of July so like most counties championship who aren't in the Super be out. He could be he could be there for the entire championship yeah. you know and go, go after that but I find it strange that the New York board have one rule and the San Francisco board and Chicago board have another rule but they're not separate be New York are completely yeah. separate they're not North, one's North American and New York are their own one county board covers the other three and New York have their own county board would it sure. not be incumbent on the GA to apply something that applies across the board in America to, to make it to avoid cases like this yeah. you know it just seems just seems as you said unfair yeah it's like, unless they take it as a case by case basis I don't see why they would punish players for wanting to mm. go there and I don't see why you can't do both because a lot of these weaker counties will be out by the end of June and is it July the 1st was always the cut off date for yeah. for America any time I played so like yeah. I mean maybe this was decided again before the championship no. was restructured and you know now there's a good chance they'll all be out where this came in and pretty much t- was it two or three years ago I remember it happening with a few Offaly players all left yeah. and there was a bit of a last year I remember Mayo got knocked out I think on the 30th of June last yeah. year and Jim O'Connor and Connor Loftus were flown to Chicago oh, yeah, on the Sunday, yeah, yeah. like immediately they were they yeah. were called immediately after the game, and they and had that to was rush. the round before the Super Eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long for a lot of these counties will be out. Right? I, I, yeah, I don't understand why the GA wouldn't try to intervene here anyway because it's affecting the well, is there the a rule? championship? Yeah, well, that's that's it. But it's also then yeah, encouraging boys to either leave early, so counties are losing. I players. think the ho- the hope of the rule was that it would 
dissuade people from going at all which was never going to happen yeah. because like yeah. I mean you, p- going to America for the summer is part of growing up mm. in That's third it. level education why did you want to dissuade them like you know could yeah. they not just cater for both could they not try and come up with some sort of fixture list or championship that lets them play in their championship and then lets them go travelling to New York yeah I think they're ball. trying I think they're trying to protect clubs as well but we have a fellow from Port Leash Benny Carroll he dropped off the leash panel another example um, and he's going to Boston and the way a lot of the championships are now you'll play two in April he's played those mm. um, Leash won't get going again until August um, and he he might miss one club game exactly no, mail, like, yeah. I mean there's no club games during yeah. the summer so like I mean if you want to keep players in Ireland well then give them some bloody give them some matches at club level during the summer maybe that's the that's the kind of solution to this whole thing instead of trying to ban them it's another going, can of worms altogether yeah we won't get into that here now yeah because Lee Brennan Owen Mulligan was tweeting about Lee Brennan he said Lee Brennan pull, pulling out of the throne senior setup is baffling it's not baffling to me anyways this is happening all too often with our forwards every year these young exciting players are maybe fed up with the commitment it takes to get a starting jersey and not satisfied to be used as subs in big games that, well that's exactly it as far as I'm concerned that if you are a sub on a team you believe you should be on it you, you can't see any way you are going to be on it um, well why not just go play with your club like it's very very easy for me like I mean why not just happily play a few league games with your club enjoy um, spending time with your club mates get a pint on a Saturday night go to a festival during the summer instead of being stuck in a regime which is ve- requires a huge commitment without the reward that you're used to getting by playing I know your way we would have no subs on any teams you would have 15 players like you know yeah well you see this is the thing it depends some subs it all depends on the mentality of the subs everybody's head doesn't work the same way some people see themselves as a sub and see themselves this is part I'm part of it I'm happy to come on for 15 minutes other fellas think well I'm not enjoying that unless I'm starting I don't think we'd be gone I don't think all subs would go because all subs don't have that mentality all subs like me would be gone (laughs) (laughs) which there's not which obviously there's not all that many you know if every sub had my attitude then you're right there'd be be no sub but I do completely see where Lee Brennan would be coming from if that's his thought process I do like I think it is tough for him especially like they seem to have gone back to to one up top <laughs> you know and they're like so it's harder to get in in that case and Darren McCurry's suddenly shot back up the ranks he's but gone ahead of him yeah but there's a man who had sort of you know stepped away as he well went and the year he, before. he worked his way back into it and like it is frustrating when you see Ronan O'Neill and Mark Bradley and now Lee Brennan Darren McCurry before feeling like they can't but Cal McShane's better than them like you know and I think Mickey Hart would be looking at that that Monaghan game last year in the semi-final and Lee Brennan like we've been championing Lee Brennan for the last year and a half Willie, me and you but yeah. you know, he sort of just looked a bit short off that, that level like you know and I he think did I'd like to see him in this new system yeah he yeah. was definitely short of that level under the old system because yeah, he was sure. not a runner and he couldn't make the, cut, the, the Bradley Mark Bradley runs over and back and he couldn't get into the game you know he was being starved I'd love to see him close to McShane or close you know in and around yeah. there surely there's but room for somebody like him feeding off Colin McShane we see Derek Hanavan's probably gone ahead of or Derek Hanavan's gone back with the under 20s yeah. in future Derek Hanavan will be there but I do I, it's very difficult for him to have to to go off the panel this year when there's finally more direct ball and guaranteed direct yeah. ball coming yeah. in so it is unfortunate but we did we championed him I agree with you he didn't take his chances but I remember like in some of the games Sure, he's been starved of possession, know, yeah. and then there's the old, you know, the usual one. The corner forward is the first to come off, yeah. even though he's he's not getting good ball. 
He was brilliant, obviously, against Donegal when he came on as a sub. He showed what he could do, right? Um, was it the real high level? I thought he was a bit short, but like that—that that was his first real pace. exposure yeah. to that that level. I like, yeah. give him give him a bit of a chance, but it's nearly like there's a pecking order in Toronto that those lads are aware of it. You know, like the last few years, Ron O'Neill and uh, Lee Brennan are gone this year. Darren McCurry went last year. You know, so it's nearly like they're aware. Oh, well, I know that McCurry is above me, and he's going to be getting chances, and I'm not. So I'll just go. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that happens when you have so little people in the full forward line. And then Brennan, in fairness to him, I w- normally I would tell the sub to suck it up and get back in, especially when you're that good. But he's probably thinking McShane's there, Matty Donnelly's probably ahead of him as a full forward, and he can't do anything about his size or anything like that. You know, Tyrone no. need big ball winners the way they play, so it's harder for him to to actually just do something different to impress Mickey Hurd. Yeah, no, it definitely is. So look, go back, enjoy, play with your club and if he's happier in his life doing that, he doesn't owe anything to anyone. It's his own choice. Um, So there's a headline in the42.ie and it says, people were saying they don't want non-Irish people playing their sport. So I was like, Jesus, and there was a picture of uh, Boidu Saye and I was like, Jesus, this is horrific uh, headline. I didn't think GA people would kind of be like that or whatever and I started reading it and then I realised it's nothing to do with that at all. It's uh, There were people on YouTube um, saying that. So like uh, Boidu said, I think Irish people are very good at welcoming. If you're new to something, they love including people in things. I don't think it's the welcoming part. I think it's it's more than not knowing what... All right, never mind that. In my experience with the GEA, it was more people guiding me towards it. So, like, I mean, he's clearly saying GEA people are welcoming, Irish people are welcoming in general. So then I'm wondering, what the hell has the he- headline got to do with anything? Why am I reading that headline, looking at a picture of him, thinking GEA people are racist? And then you get down a little bit further and he says... Um, he did something on YouTube and he was saying and on Facebook he did some uh, show or something like that and he says even the comments on Facebook because you can see who's writing it there are a lot of nice comments and people are friendly but on the YouTube where where you can't see who it is there are horrible comments and people were saying that they don't want non-Irish people playing their sport so there it is a few dickheads on YouTube uh, with no hiding behind anonymity are saying one or two horrible things we know YouTube comment sections are avoidable mm. at all there is the dreads of society Sorry. in the YouTube comment sections but this was this was what was put in the headline beside a picture of him I just thought that was terrible I thought that was that is painting a really bad picture of what uh, the GEA potentially could be like. Am I reading too much into this or why should I be getting upset uh, like, about this headline? There is like, I think most clubs are just sort of <laughs> delighted to get players out. Do you know that's the first thing? So they are genuinely welcoming to anybody who's in their community and especially when you're when you're that good as Saye is, like you know, he's yeah. fast, strong, he's really good in the ball, like you know, so anybody would be just dying to get him into their club and be so welcoming of him. But I have played in games before, like where you know people have been racially abused and stuff like that. So mm. when, when it's the opposition or when something flares, then there is that sort of undercurrent a bit, like you know, so I wouldn't be as upset as you then at that headline. Have, have you heard ra- racist abuse on a GA field? You have. Oh yeah, yeah. And what's the reaction like? Well, it started a big fight, like you know, and the referee didn't take any action, like, but there was punches being thrown, and the ref, I think the ref heard it. So in reaction sort of to the comment, yeah, right, and like all the team were in and stuff like that and there was a fight afterwards outside the changing rooms and so how many times did this ha- have you heard this on, on I've the heard it twice now this is a mate of mine who's from Derry but his dad's from Hong Kong like, you know yeah. so like he would have you know, experienced stuff like that you know going like, through his career or whatever but um, not all the time in fairness to him like he'd probably hate me bringing this up but 
I've heard it and I've known other people who've told me about other things happening as well like no this is a different case than it's that it's different yeah because that's on, on the field and opposition mm. and it's not right but it's very quick people reach very quickly to yeah, that thing it. when something happens like you know yeah but have I a point on the welcoming thing or the I don't know okay we'll move on I, from I that I think Maybe your, your you're club and your county are definitely welcoming of you but I would just be sort of worried about that undercurrent of it well, it's an on undercurrent the but the majority the I think are absolutely welcoming yeah. and it's just a, just a pity to see those comments I think like um, he's been doing a video with Tommy Bow, and it's been heavily promoted on YouTube I think it's with Air so that I was it that, an Air, an air uh, thing uh, yeah, yeah so it's probably because that's been you know given such exposure that that's where that's where the comments are coming from but that's it it's a face it's a minority and it's a faceless minority that from, from as I said I, I would have heard maybe anecdotal evidence not a whole lot of it in Mayo of kind of racial abuse on the pitch and stuff like that but I do think thankfully that they're isolated and in the vast majority of cases as he says himself that everyone is welcoming yeah okay right Carlos suspensions didn't get uh, lifted so on Monday night Turlock O'Brien Brendan Murphy and their coach Stephen Poacher had their suspensions upheld by the CAC Central Appeals Committee so the CCCC everybody be aware of this process by now (laughs) gave them gave them the suspensions then they appealed it to the Central Hearings <laughs> Committee, which is the CHC. They upheld them and increased Turlock's one from 16 <laughs> to 20. And now, now they've gone to the CAC, Central Appeals Committee. So their next step is the DRA, but apparently they don't have enough time between Monday and Saturday to go to the DRA to get themselves available for the Mead game on Saturday. So that's it. Decided. Um, I, I, I don't think too many people would have much sympathy for them based on the evidence of the video um, they're going to have to suck it up now they didn't have Brendan Murphy last year in the championship and they performed very well so I don't think there should be too much um, you know stock put into that they beat Kildare obviously last year and Loud without him and I think that they might benefit from ha- not having that poacher running in out in the field uh, you know painting the 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 image of Carlo in in not the best light and potentially turning referees against them during the game and Turlock's no stranger for shouting in at referees as well so I think they might miss they might miss Turlock in the dressing room they might miss you know the team talks and stuff but in general I don't know I think mm. I'd say they're training away anyways with Carlo there's no managers ever uh no managers ever comply with that punishment anyways they always stay training and they might train somewhere that is unannounced mm. and they'll be there and sure like I mean that my information is that they probably are um, still training the team so yeah. they're still training we're just not there on match day in the dressing room do you think that has a Unless huge Turlock effect? Unless O'Brien tries to do a Mourinho and get yeah. in with the laundry basket. The basket. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, well, no one Poacher's opinion of well. himself. He'll feel that he really needs to yeah. be there. and Potentially he could yeah. do something like that. But I was actually wondering, will they, will they miss him on the sideline of Poacher? Because I'd say he, he, uh, the way they play is probably designed a lot by him and the way they train. So he's probably the one instructing them the whole time. Yeah. So maybe they need that voice on the sideline. The the DRAs, like that that was the one that Dear McConnelly got off the night before the Mayo replay. Mm. Twenty sixteen was it? So still time like you know if maybe putting the, maybe Dublin put that wheel, those wheels in motion before yeah. the Monday yeah. night before. Like I mean yeah. usually you have a three week lead in so you you'd have a you'd have more time but to but get that surely going. it's going to be a technicality they're hoping to oh, get that's off all, actually, that's no, all you get off no defence that's, that's what the DRA is for which yeah. I, I actually don't think the DRA should be there at all I yeah. think it's wrong well, I that thought the time Connolly had no defence because he was caught punching Lee Keegan you know, but then the DRA came in and I think it was 
put down a self-defense or something No, it was like a technicality of some description yeah. anyway. I sure may have used it before as well. They've all Kevin used Kane, it. I think, They've yeah. all used it, yeah, which is completely wrong. So anyways, that's um, Carlo against Mead. We'll talk about some of these games in part three. Finish up here. Aaron Moore, GEA, have contacted me and they wanted me to give them a shout out. So they're an island team from Donegal and they take part in the Inter-Island GA tournament once a year. And they hmm. were Inter-Island winners in 2014. So he says, lads, any chance of a shout out on the next show for the Inter-Island tournament taking place on the 25th of May? Nine islands off the coast take part from Donegal to Cork for the chance of All-Ireland glory. Get in there now, lads, <laughs> now. <laughs> Set fire to, these would be hardy whores yeah. now from the islands to be well used to um, fishing and uh, all those other stereotypical <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> Farming. Yeah. An RT aren't bloody showing it either. <laughs> <laughs> and if it doesn't get a mention on the Sunday end, well, that's, I'm done. I'm done. You'd think Sky would pick one of them. Right, okay. <laughs> we'll be back when we look at Mayor Roscommon. Policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street, and I'm coming back out, and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out, and they're roaring at me, I got free, you free state bastard. And next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So James Horan, the Messiah, is back, Connor. Um, yep. He's never lost a uh, Connacht uh, provincial match. He's played 11 and he's won 11. Um, hammering all of them in the meantime. Hammered Roscommon. Now Roscommon got close to him in another game I was at. Um, hammered Galway. Just were well able to beat everybody um, under James Horan. So I don't know, has he got that kind of Midas touch? It's 18 years since Roscommon have beaten Mayo in the championship. Under James Horan, between 2011 2011 and 2014, Mayo played 22 championship games. They won 17, drew one, and only lost four. The four they lost were two All-Earned semi-finals and two All-Earned finals. The only year they were knocked out by... They were not knocked out by the eventual champions was in 2011. Um, who by Kerry. Kerry. Kerry in the yeah. semi-final. And they yeah. were very close to being potential champions. You probably Dublin should have been. <laughs> could, have, could easily have been. Yeah. So they're beaten by the All-Ireland champions every year. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't know. There's just some sort of a confidence around Mayo when James Horan is involved. Yeah, and it seems to have returned even, like, by the by the little evidence we've had this year just through the league and just all reports, I think, coming from the camp. Um, just real kind of positive messages, which which I think that James Horan has always tried to, like, encourage amongst his team. But it's a good job that he does have, have a, like, a, a, such a strong provincial record because I was looking back through it there and, like, Mayo haven't won... Uh, provincial championship game of note I would say in McHale Park since 2014 which would have been Horns last year so they've beaten Sligo I think in 2017 and they won a couple of qualifiers at McHale Park but the last big championship game I would say the Mayo won at McHale Park was the Connacht final in 2014 and that was against Galway and that was against a completely different Galway team to you know what they might come up against if they beat Roscommon that was Mulholland was the manager there was yeah, a bit of a yeah. it wasn't a Mayo, serious Mayo won a comfortably Mayo yeah, won a comfortably that, that. Galway didn't start really getting serious for even when Galway beat, beat Mayo in 2016 at McHale Park was seen as a bit of a shock so um 
but like uh, like James Horn has said it now he has to like any manager worth their salt has to say that their their focus is only on the next game or only on the provincial title but I like I would say that James Horn is dead serious about that this year first of all because it's the easiest route into the Super 8s but because Mayo need to get back get back that supremacy in Connacht it was something we took for granted you mentioned the record yeah. there something we took for granted under James Horn to the to the extent that we step walked into that game against Galway in 2016 so yeah I, I would say that's, that's like that obviously Mayo won the league but I'd say that the message as soon as he's come back in has been about winning the Connacht title again this year yeah so like I mean you have a potential <coughs> team um, through the grapevine in Mayo and it <coughs> looks it's Henley Barrett Harrison Higgins Keegan, Plunkett, Durkin <coughs> very strong uh, defence then you have Ruan mm-hmm. and O'Shea in midfield Dermot O'Connor Jason Doherty Fergal Boland Kevin McLaughlin is Darren Cohen and Evan Regan yeah. so like I mean um, like I mean I, I don't know like I mean I'm just not sold on Mayo yet and like I mean we know that they're physically strong they've got great running game and that's a feature of James Horan's Mayo teams and they blew a very inexperienced Kerry team away mm. in the league final. All that's fine. They've no Vaughan. They've no Killian O'Connor. They've no Andy Moran. They've no Tom Parsons. They've no Seamus O'Shea. They've no Colin Boyle. That's a lot of players from All-Ireland, from an All-Ireland potentially competing team with Dublin. Now, mm. I'm not saying that I'm not sold on Mayo as being a very good team. I am. But I'm not sold on them being All-Ireland contenders or a team that could potentially be Dublin with the team that would you be sold on them if a lot of those lads were back in because all, like all of them bar Tom Parsons who's kind of still working his way are like available to, to some extent you know like I expect a lot of them to come back in through the course of the season I'm surprised Killian O'Connor's not picked full forward on that team now I'm really surprised I, I, I suppose it's purely because he's only going on limited club football he would he like only would have played a couple of games club football before and then he was he was in New York so he would have done the training camp in New York as well so like I, I just think it's purely a reward for league form for a lot of them anyway the likes of like Darren Cohn came back showed well towards the end of the league Evan Regan didn't really show well in the league to no. be honest but he then he was uh, how much can you read into Mandem against New York but I think the fact that he was starting against New York was probably because he was doing well in training Yeah, Evan Regan now has been tried and tested yeah, I mean, years. Like, I mean, if yeah. you're going to be depending on Evan Regan you're not going to be winning in All-Ireland and that's I don't want to be disrespectful and I'd put Darren Cohn in the same boat I'd put Fergal Boland who's out of his depth at the very top level but is a good industrious mm. um, wing forward at Sligo potentially even Roscommon level of any team outside the very top teams we've seen him he's been tried Stephen Rochford tried him mm. and then when it gets to the business end he's gone because he's not good enough at that very very top level I thought like to be fair to Fergal Boland like he he has had his chances like he I remember him starting against Galway in 2016 or 2017 the wet day in Saltdale 2017 after a really good league and as he said he just he flattered to deceive and there was a couple of I think later on in that championship he was given a chance as well to be fair to him all I can say in his defence is that he had he had a very good league like a, not, he, he spurned a couple of goal chances against Kerry but he was averaging about four points of play four points from play from wing forward towards the end and again I don't know like if you if if Mayo are going to advance and get to the Super 8 is this going to be the team that you're going to see in the first round of Super 8 probably not No um, and I think league form is very misleading like you have mm. to give lads a chance because you have to reward them but at the same time like I mean we saw Cork and Limerick in the hurling we see it all the time Championship is just a completely different Yeah, <clears throat> it's a completely different thing if you've got yourself in physical shape and want to hit the league hard and have targeted personally you'll 
good chance you'll have a good league because fellas you're marking won't be at that level you know like I mean mm. and especially with a new manager because I remember in Rochester's first year he played every league game as well and he was chipping in for those two yeah. points until the business end came and he wasn't good enough then it's for for that reason that forward line for me is 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 not it's not top bracket forward line but is that not why James Horne's maybe doing the right thing because if you look at the defence again it's one of the best defences in Ireland yet again yeah. the full back line has everything the two midfielders are absolutely flying so they'll, they'll probably dominate most teams so then maybe Horn has to just try something how many times like the last few years we've been talking about the Mayo forward line and that's the thing and maybe playing bowling just allows Kevin McLaughlin that bit more freedom and make him a bit more dangerous rather than having the track back or playing in the sweeper role like we've seen him before but I think McLaughlin McLaughlin and Evan Regan two strong lefties I can't see them play, both playing in the corner I see Regan and Cohen maybe left inside and McLaughlin might have to drift out or one of them might drift does can Darren Cohen drift out I can't imagine two lefties he being w- left Darren in the Cohen wouldn't corners. drift out too far no he'd be wanting to play closer to goal now he has a booming kick from like he's well able to kick points from you know outside the 45 but he wouldn't be as mobile compared to the rest of that forward line so I'd imagine he'd stay in Regan's not going to be playing in a number 15 corner anyway we know that yeah well he played a, he played a wing forward I actually thought that Kevin McLaughlin would play wing forward against New York but Evan Regan actually played further out the pitch but right. whether it's two of them stay inside and the, what, the one thing I like about like I I nearly don't I, I do like Kevin McLaughlin inside because I think he's a brilliant ball winner uh, but I don't like him I don't like him inside because he is so industrious out the field he's a brilliant break he's a brilliant on the break and he's actually he's, well I don't know is he an underrated as a kick passer but I just think he's a brilliant kick passer as brilliant well brilliant kick passer yeah. um, so that's why I kind of don't like him and I think that forward line is going to evolve as the year that goes on I'm, I'm not sure will will Kevin McLaughlin stay inside so I, I, I don't know like you're like kind of mentioned there but like Mayo wanted to do something different an accusation that's been made against Mayo in the last few years is that we've nothing to bring on and now I suppose if you're looking yeah. at the bench the next day you have you've well you've Andy and Killian for a start and then you've some of the lads that have probably been forgotten about to a certain degree that did well during the league James Carr started against New York was brilliant against Kerry in the league final uh, I thought he would have been ahead of Cohen I would have thought so yeah Fionn McDonough who kind of faded after a really strong start to the league and then you've Kieran Tracy who, who oh, yeah. finished the league strong as well so I don't know like there's that. that's one thing I would have said about Mayo before is like you look through the programme you're looking at the bench and you're, you're saying who's going to come on and make an impact here whereas I think if you're looking at the programme on, on Saturday evening you're confident in that there's a few lads that come in that will make an impact yeah for me uh, Killian O'Connor comes back in at 14 and either Seamus O'Shea or Tom Parsons if he gets back or Vaughan goes potentially to midfield and Aidan O'Shea goes into the forwards I think they have to bring uh, the forward line's just not beefy enough for me like I mean mm. I know Aidan O'Shea is doing well in midfield but we all know midfield is his best position but it's <coughs> like needs must why has he been playing in the forwards because they need them mm. they need forwards and then Jason Doherty could potentially go into a full forward line and it's a much more dangerous te- it's a much more dangerous forward line and then you've got the whole Mayo running game and everything but like I just I don't see like we'll see on, on Saturday night I think Ross Common um, are a good bet uh, plus five because um, people are talking this is a defining game for Ross Common because they've played in four Connacht finals since 2016 now one of them was a replay and during that time they've played three seasons in Division 1 and won a Division 2 league title so I, f- as far as Roscommon are concerned now this is either shit or get off the pot let's mm. be honest about it what are, what are you, you fellas all about what are you here for like I mean it's not a young team anymore there's none of this oh they're up and coming you're either going to do something now or you're not going to do something now maybe that might be a little bit harsh on a team that won a Connacht title but they haven't impressed outside of that then um, and last year they're coming off a terrible uh, loss 
against um, against Tyrone Enda Smith is going to be back he didn't play um, against Leitrim and all, all the talk is potentially Ross Common have got the physicality this year and they've maybe done a bit of strength and conditioning and maybe they've got a game plan that can frustrate Mayo and pretty much take Galway's example bring it into a war that Mayo don't really like and don't give them any space and that's the blueprint really well it has been in in Connacht for the last three years yeah because we have always talked about their conditioning and how they're a young team and exciting and nice to watch their conditioning has not been good enough yeah yeah, but then I was looking at the full forward line against Leitrim and it's Dermot Murta and Connor Cox you're just two bulls like and then your man Alton Harney was beside them he's a big one now Enda Smith Malouli Cottle Craig the three dailies are in the back line and they're hardy bits of stuff like this is this is I think Cunningham has identified this I'd say he's done a lot of work strength and conditioning and he's trying to pick bigger fellas. Yeah, and the, the man Darcy was wing forward for them against Leitrim like, and he just looks like a big unit as well. Like, you know, he looks young enough but uh, I think Smith might come in for him anyway but like, you know, we just, again, they are using these men and they're sort of targeting it. They're not going to be sort of bullied anymore. Um, so, like, maybe this is just a progression though of a young, exciting team that we've seen coming through. Maybe they're getting to that stage where they are ready and they're becoming men, I suppose. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like, I mean, James Horan has even commented on it. He says, under Anthony Cunningham, I think they're very focused, very keen to do well, playing hard and being really physical. And maybe James Horan, pr- pretty much all he would have seen from Roscommon is that very first league game that mm. we saw that was in the, the wet and the rain. And that was going to be a physical game no matter what in those yeah. conditions, I suppose. They're even quite physical actually in the FPD league as well. I think Andy Cunningham had said that and identified it. And you can't, you couldn't read much into that, um, into the league game at the start of the year. Conditions were so bad. But I know t- to me, the proof would be in the pudding for us, Common, because I've heard this for years is that like that condition is their problem. And, you know, like Kevin McSay was really frank about it. You know, it was it either after the Tyrone game or after the Mayo game um, in 2017 where they, they got opened up in both games and got absolutely destroyed. It got ran all over the place. Now, it wasn't just like we, we, we might mistake conditioning as just being size but like yeah, like fitness, fitness even, like Mayo yeah. and Tyrone absolutely ran all over us yeah. in both those games so like as I said Anthony Cunningham has talked about it but until I see that like and I, I still think that like the key to Mayo winning the game the next day will be that will be that physicality and will be that running game especially around that middle eight like I know we mentioned Fergal Boland and like compared to the rest of them he's not as kind of physically imposing let's say but the rest of that the rest of that six, uh, the rest of that kind of middle eight, half back line, half forward line, I think is really strong, really powerful for Mayo. And I think that'll be, if Mayo are to win the game, I think that'll be the platform where they where they go about winning it. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about Keith Higgins just aban- abandoning his post and just bombing up the field because he's clearly that's what he clearly does. Cox won't want to do it. Murta won't want to do it. Ulton Harney won't want to do it. So unless Ross Common used their brain and say Kilroy. Whenever Lee, Hig- Lee, Lee, or whenever Keith, Keith Higgins. Higgins goes, <coughs> I want you following him. And Cox, you come out and plunk it. And, you know, whoever's centre forward then, um, who was centre forward the last day, Carl Craig, you push across on Lee Keegan. So just juggle it around that these fellas are not chasing him all over the field. And that would make sense mm. um, to me. Yeah, that's the way it should be done. Like, you just pass the man on rather than one person doing a 100-yard run, especially when he's your full forward. And then he has to get... We talk about Jamie Clark doing it, and you have to go back up and then be the main scoring threat again. Yeah, because it's the last line of defence, and a lot of teams plan to play in the sweeper, and this is something I didn't really agree with Paul Flynn on when he was explaining this. He was like that if you let your man off, you know, he's going to mess up our sweeper, take him out of position. And I'm like, that's kind of what your sweeper's for. So, like, I mean, is your sweeper there to cover trouble? So he's there to pick up a man that's free. So let him pick him up. 
you have to trust your full back line at some stage. Is it better to trust your full mm. back line with the sweeper having coming out on this runner mm. and have Dermot Murta and have Connor Cox completely fresh for the next attack? Because this is the this is the important thing. And uh, and Paul Flynn was talking about there isn't really the turnovers where you're going to catch him out. You know what I mean? Out of position. And I accept that point completely. Teams are too sophisticated now. You're not getting the turnover where suddenly you don't follow your man the move breaks down and you're just here waving yeah. your hands here I'm free I'm yeah. free and you score a goal right that yeah. that's not going to happen but what will happen is for the next kick out Keith Higgins will run back down onto Co- to Connor Cox and he'll be blowing so the next time the ball comes in Cox is going to make two or three runs and Higgins will, now H- Higgins versus Cox isn't a good example because yeah. Higgins could probably run all day and yeah. come back and, and because Cox doesn't look like the, the fittest player do you take my point though like yeah. it's, it's about yeah. not gassing yourself out by, f- by tracking those runs it's not necessarily by being free when the ball turns over I just think there's a couple of things on that for specifically for the Mayo Roscommon game because as you said like if Gal- if Roscommon are using the Galway template which I wouldn't blame them for using given the success that um, Galway have had against Mayo in the, in the last few years even though this is a completely different team completely different group of players but if Roscommon are going to do that they're going to have to drag bodies back at some stage so th- that would likely free up at least one member of the Mayo backline, which if, if which it has been in recent years, and which would absolutely make sense, would be Keith Higgins. And the other thing on that is that Michael Plunkett is, if he starts at six, he's very kind of um, he's different from a lot of the Mayo wing backs, particularly the recent vintage. So Paddy Durkin, uh, Lee Keegan, Donald Vaughan, who want to bomb forward at every opportunity, whereas Michael Plunkett is more traditional. He's right. really good, really good ball player. Probably not as fast or dynamic as the others, um, but he's more likely to kind of anchor. Um, anchor the sixth position and if he does that that potentially frees up Keith Higgins to do what he does well as well so it just depends on how, how Roscommon set up if they're going to go if they're going to go really defensive and then allow Mayo to have a free man you know uh, which I think they will to a certain extent whether, whether they'll go to the same degree that Galway go I don't know Yeah I think they will go to, to that degree and I think another thing Galway <coughs> did really well with Mayo is they got inside their heads they pissed them off they trash talked him and Mayo would have had this kind of arrogance five in a row who do you think you are you know and Mayo it was Mayo fellas getting sent off not Galway fellas or maybe it was a bit of Mayo both. have had uh, somebody sent off I'm pretty sure in the last three championship games against Galway against Galway definitely Jim O'Connor last year this is them losing a game being trash talked and not liking it do you mm. know what I mean because they could, let's be honest Mayo didn't respect Galway and now they do but at that point uh, Roscommon are at that point with Mayo now let's be honest Mayo don't really respect Galway Roscommon or Roscommon rather sorry (laughs) let's get that quote right there (laughs) Um, yeah and like there's two reasons for Roscommon to play that game plan as well they had the worst um, the worst defence in the league you know they leaked the most out of everybody so they should be tightening up anyway but also because the worst defence in Division 1 yeah in Division 1 yeah but I think in the entire league outside of who was I interviewing recently it was who were you keep talking and I'll think who had the, who had <laughs> the but no in fairness yeah when you are getting relegated from Division 1 you're going to have a bad Sligo defense, Sligo there you go, had sure. the worst yeah like, but, and then the other reason of course yeah is because Galway showed that it can work against Mayo as well so it does make sense and I think what Ross Commons seem to be bringing this year though as well is a bit more of a bench than what they probably mm. had like I even just look at Finton Craig Connor Devaney and Brian Stackle came on the last day so that's energy coming on yeah. for them and, a and bit that's without Shane Smith Arenda uh, yeah. Smith starting yeah so like they're going to have a, a bit more options maybe looking to go the length of 70 minutes as well with them so it will be interesting I think your plus 5 thing might be um, 
might be bang on. Here's the thing, though. This is the the and uh, the Roscommon defence, right? So Enda Smith said before the Leitrim game, he said shipping scores too easy was a major problem last year. It did happen quite a bit. So one of our aims this year was to shore up defensively. I think we've done that to a degree this year. We were quite solid in a lot of games. Defensively and tactically, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable going into a game prepared as well. Now, this is a weird one. I would go on this, like we saw the game on air, to concede a 1-8 against Mayo. Defensive Roscommon. And it's mad how first impressions kind of dictate what you think. And I'd say James Horan, like I said, he wouldn't have seen much of Roscommon outside of videotapes recently when he knew he was playing them. Then they went out against Monaghan and they conceded 13. Again, great. If you're keeping a team under 13, 14 points, you have a great chance of winning the game. And most managers will tell you that. Monaghan won 10. Or no, sorry, Monaghan was 13. Tyrone won 10. Again, fantastic. That's mm. under the threshold that managers will always tell you. Let's keep them under 13, 14. Whether that's 110, 111, all of that. Then it started to go wrong. 3-13 against Cavan, which really knocked the wind out of their sails now because, I mean, yeah. they always beat Cavan. 2-14 against Dublin, 116 against Galway, 2-17 against Kerry. To have the worst defensive record. So, without having yeah. seen these games, it's hard to know what's gone mm-hmm. wrong with them. Like, the, is there confidence that Brittle, that a bad performance against Cavan 313 has knocked them away? Did they go away from it? You know, it's hard to answer these questions without having seen those games, you know. But definitely, they're not, they can't be at the Galway level of defensive system towards the end of the league when they're running up those yeah, sort of no, I, I said I, I said I think it was last week I said that I don't think I think you might have disagreed with me Conor I don't think that if you've unless you've been practicing the system for that long that you can just you know decide to impose it in a game of this magnitude against Mayo but the only games I saw uh, for us common apart from maybe highlights were the Dublin game and the Mayo I don't think you can read much into the Mayo game the first game conditions were terrible yeah. and against Dublin uh, Roscommon were actually really good that yeah, day yeah they were uh, that was another <coughs> game I saw Yeah, and I thought they were actually they were quite open they were more open yeah. than I expected them to be and they really brought it up to Dublin until like the, 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 the closing stages and maybe I don't know there might be kind of questions over the condition in there again but uh, but that's it like cause I was looking at those results earlier on it started off it was just it was like the graph just dipped just after that Cavan game yeah. so you'd, you'd like to think that they've they've stronger characters than that, that their confidence would just fall away uh, to be that brittle that it would just fall away after a loss like that but again uh, like I, I don't know like with, with they weren't Mar- you're right though they weren't majorly I defensive so. against Dublin I remember seeing that game yeah. like I mean and thinking geez, they're nowhere near what I was expecting uh, yeah yeah completely because when Anthony Cunningham said it as much and especially when he said that that I expected them to be really defensive like to, to, to go the style of Galway but I don't think they've gone that far at all so unless he was prepping them so far out and working on the background of a system that he's going to unleash against Mayo uh, but I, I genuinely don't yeah. think so I think he will I think Dermot Murta and Connor Cox will be left inside in their own <coughs> I think the other 12 outfield players will be working really hard you know what I mean I think Harney will probably go out around midfield and help out around in those phys- in that physical encounters and you'll be hoping uh, Cahill Craig can get up and support the two lads whenever he can because he's got that bit of class I'd say that'll be their game plan you'd be surprised um, if it's not they're still uh, they're still under pressure in midfield if um, Killor, Killoran yeah. scored two goals played a lot in the forwards pro- the makeshift midfielder and Tiger Rourke who's absolutely not a dominating midfielder and they're coming up against probably Mayo's strongest line arguably with Aidan O'Shea in the form of his life and Matthew Ruan who is a great bit of stuff as well I'd say Killoran or Tiger Rourke might stay with Ruan on the ground but Aidan O'Shea will be bullying them and without getting clean possession what's going to be funny here is the Mayo kickouts because Roscommon will be doing their level best 
to keep it away from midfield. Mm. So what would you do if you're a mayor manager? If you if if Roscommon absolutely are trying to keep it away from midfield, would it not be make sense for you to go to midfield where they don't want you to go? Yeah. But then you'll probably I think see, they all go to midfield, yeah, and put though, on a huge high press. I don't press. think they will. I think Henley will be hitting these fancy kickouts and he'll be going <laughs> showing off his array of kicks and he won't just go <laughs> do what Roscommon don't want him to do. Yeah. Mumbo do you know jumbo I mean? Henley. Ah, this all this all scientific <laughs> stuff. <thing> <laughs> Actually, I've been almost weary of the word. I think it was no, two years ago we were talking about um, Galway v Roscommon and how Roscommon won't want Galway to go to midfield. And, and Roscommon just went midfield every yeah, single time. Yeah. And Andy Smith had an unbelievable yeah. game. Mm. But like he just, it was almost like they were insulted that people thought that they couldn't compete in the air and they did. They dominated Galway that day. But, but yeah, I do think Aidan O'Shea is a different proposition. I think he's one of the best midfielders in terms of getting primary possession. You'd imagine Enda Smith will be in midfield. They have I to play him there. So. I know they don't want to. I'd like to say in an ideal world he'd play 12 or 11. Does Lee Keegan to. go on Enda Smith again? Well, I think if he plays he midfield... Did the, he yeah. did in the league. If Enda Smith plays midfield, no. If Lee, if Enda Smith goes into the forwards, Lee Keegan just goes in the I agree. Goal. I agree. Because Lee That's Keegan right. going into midfield was... Rochford's a much... Rochford was a real risk taker, wasn't mm. he? He did things you weren't expecting at all. I don't think Horan would put Lee Keegan in midfield. And anyway, he probably shouldn't with the form of Rouen and yeah, Aidan yeah. O'Shea yeah. anyways. It probably doesn't make sense. So we get predictions here on this one, lads. Um, like I've said, May or two to nine, unbackable really for a win. Roscommon nine to two. Handicap here is five, and that has really got my attention. Mm. I think Roscommon have to put in a good performance here. I don't think Mayo are anything special at home. I don't think that's anywhere near Mayo's strongest forward line. And for those reasons, I think Roscommon, like we said, have been in the last four Connacht finals, have been in Division 1 for three years, have won Division 2. Jesus, if they can't get up and uh, put in a performance and stay within five of <coughs> Mayo, of a not full strength Mayo, in my opinion, well then, I'm not speaking about Roscommon ever again <laughs> on, on this show. You forget about them as far as they're men. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think... I'm going Roscommon plus five. I- I'm going to go with the same. Um, when I, when now, I, I am very persuasive. Don't let my <laughs> persuasion <laughs> no. fool you. When I, uh, when I disagree with you, Connor, about the defensive systems and how easy I think they are to implement, I, I meant in terms of Sligo and just keeping the score down against Galway, not in terms of actually yeah, okay, competing friend, against yeah. them and trying to beat them. And that's the important thing for Roscommon is having two game plans and I think you're starting to see that now like you're starting to see a defensive game plan and then a new game when they're trying to attack and trying to beat teams like yeah because that's the difference obviously Roscommon are not going to pack the defence looking to keep the score down they want to win the game yeah. that's the difference <clears throat> Sligo let's be honest we're just trying to keep the score down yeah. so Roscommon can't just pack it can't just pack it for no reason yeah and there's too many too many good players up top as well to do that like so um I think it'll be they'll really give them their fill of it. I think it'll be nasty. I think Anthony Cunningham will be well up for it as well. Um, but a bit of needle in this one. But yeah, I, I yeah. think May will win. But Ross Common will stay within the five. Uh, I was like, I I had been quite confident going in, but that 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 five uh, plus five handicap is actually quite tasty. Um, I do think Mayo will win. Like I, I like I, it's it's going to a championship game with Mayo and McHale Park. I I haven't been confident in a while just with Mayo's record there. Um, but I I know I do think I do think in good conditions on Saturday evening I think Mayo will win three or four. I think Roscommon might actually just get inside the handicap. Okay, yeah, we're all in agreement, lads. <laughs> Fancy that, right? Okay, we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions, even though we just did a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Doherty was a fantastic analyst and I mean I really heed what he would say in your programme I think, I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I, 
as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team. Too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them, yeah. So Paddy Power predictions, lads. We'll start with Carlo and Mead. Just Carlo are a big price in this. Like, I mean, it just shows they got relegated to Division 4, even though they targeted the league massively. And they've admittedly saying that. I was reading comments from one of their selectors. His name escapes me. And they said that the league was their most important competition of the whole year and they got relegated out of it. So, like, I mean, you've, you'd imagine this is a demoralised squad. You'd imagine it's a squad... Um, wh- whose confidence isn't all that high I think these suspensions psychologically might have added to the sense of doom and gloom so it's going to be difficult for them to lift it and play Mead Mead are 1-8 to eight. the handicap here is 6 obviously Mead were poor against Offaly but I have a funny feeling they weren't they were taken by surprise by a very offensive Offaly team on the day um, a team who were kicking the ball into a full forward line had a lot of danger I think Mead are well e- equipped to show it against Tyrone last year and Navin that they're well equipped and well prepared to play the type of tactics that Carlo are going to bring to the table on Sunday so for those reasons I can't see anything other than a Mead win here now I know I said that last year mm. with Kildare and Carlo and ended up uh, <laughs> looking stupid but the element of surprise is gone with Carlo yeah. now. so Mead are know exactly what's, what's coming down the road I don't think Kildare respected Carlo this time last year or what the the level of intensity and defensive uh, system they were going to bring. And like I said, last year, Mead are no strangers to being able to deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I think the Carlo this year are a completely different entity to what they were last year. I think um, even the suspensions, I remember there was a couple of comments coming out afterwards that they, they felt that there was a... The, the refereeing agenda against them during the league they've kind of that thing that every, everything is going against them um, they just don't have the momentum last year the, the momentum they had last year uh, league didn't go well for them um, I just think uh, as you said the element of surprise is gone as well and Mead are well used to playing against this, uh, this style of football now while by all accounts they weren't too impressive against Offaly I just think I actually fancy Mead to win and to I think the hand, handicap is six. Handicap is six. I think actually, I fancy him to beat the handicap as well. To beat Carlo by even mm. more than that, I'm a bit, I'm a bit put off by the six. I'm mm. not too sure to be honest with you. They have it at a nice number that uh, just the way Carlo play, it might not be easy to beat it. What do you think, Conan? Yeah, I think as Connor says, you know, when when they think everything's going against them. Have <laughs> been in that situation, then you're sort of expecting things to go against you. Well, there's a siege mentality, and they can. Like, this is all okay. Ways, this is hindsight. This yeah. is hindsight analysis. So on Monday, you'll go, "Well, Jesus, do we're well <laughs> up for this," yeah, everything, no, or else you'll go, "Oh, well, it was doom and gloom, and this was always yeah. going to happen." So, and that is the opportunity. But it's almost like you know, because they've gotten relegated because of things going against them, and now because like their best players suspended and their management team, or I don't know, if they're distracted. But like you know, there are all these appeals are going on as well in the background. It's like they're just like they seem like a different animal than they did in the last two years where they were just waiting in the long grass probably biting their teeth yeah. going to rattle teams like and really like surprise the whole of Ireland like that's probably the narrative they had going into the championship but but now as you say the surprise is gone and the momentum which is a big one as yeah. well is gone and as Connor says like you know it does like probably have that negative vibe around the place now where they're just yeah. expecting things to, if a goal goes in for Eve, the Carlo boys be rolling their eyes going here we go again yeah I think they could and the feel good factor and the Carlo rising and all that that's all gone now now their management has been pretty much embarrassed with that video um, being released they've been relegated back down the rising is gone 
you know, unless they use all this in yeah, their favour, yeah, yeah, like I mean, yeah. which they, they potentially could. But anyways, well, I'm I strongly fancy Mead, but I'm I'm afraid of the six. Connor, you're going with the six. Yeah. Um, right. Dublin Loud. This is the other one in the more practice at seven o'clock. Dublin are one to a hundred. <laughs> uh, Loud are twenty five to one. Handicap here is seventeen. Um, I'm fancying Loud to potentially beat the seventeen. I think Dublin in the first round are a little bit like meh. <laughs> I think that they're just going to try start filtering some players back into the team and they're just going to warm up gradually towards the 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 big ones at the at the in the super eights and in the all Ireland. If the time to run, I think Dara Shea was talking in the Irish Times yesterday about timing your run. I don't think Dublin will be blowing I think Louder are a solid team mm-hmm. um in in um this year and they were very good in in Division Three. So I think they might stay within the seventeen, especially with it not in Croke Park I think Dublin will beat the seventeen. Big one for Dublin really is how does Philly McMahon come back in? Um does Rory O'Carroll come back in? Um does Karma Costello start in the forward line when they have everyone fit? Um does Darren Gavin start in midfield? You know what I mean? There's a few questions. Like, I mean, is Philly McMahon out of the picture or is he being saved for the championship? We don't know that because if mm. we, we'll know, like, Jim Gavin doesn't mess around with his team. We'll know when that team is announced whether Philly's back in the mix or he's out. Yeah. Rory O'Carroll, I think, ha- probably doesn't need to start and could still get back in because he's, he's late coming. Um, you know, it's not, it's not as big a deal with him. Darren Gavin in midfield played a lot of um, the league obviously that depends on James McCarthy playing a midfielder in the defence which has a knock-on effect on Philly McMahon and mm-hmm. Rory O'Carroll and I think Owen Merchant is back um, from injury as well so like I mean these are the questions Karma Costello does he get into the forward line with everybody fit so you're talking about last year's forward line Brian Howard Kieran Kilkenny Niall Scully he doesn't get in ahead of Brian Howard or Niall Scully as a working wing forward that's a fact he doesn't get in ahead of Kieran Kilkenny let's all have a good laugh at even the thoughts of, of him getting in ahead of Kilkenny and then he's trying to get in ahead of Paul Mannion Dean Rock and Conor Callaghan <laughs> like and you'd almost have to say Karma Costello deserves his starting spot but where is that? On paper, on paper, with any of those six, no, he doesn't get in. But for me, he gets in because he was their best forward during the league, and I think that I think Jim Gavin. One thing that he does do is reward for him. Yeah, and I think Costello couldn't have done more. Like I remember, he absolutely tore Keith Higgins a new one in Grove Park that night, and he he did that to a few defenders throughout the league. I think it's um, it's probably about time that Cormac Costello was thinking as well that listen, I've been. I'm not going to be the new Kevin McManaman. I'm not going to be the new super sub. I want to get you know get my chance to establish myself in the 15. Hard enough as it is to do, but I think that he'll be given the chance definitely at the start of the championship. Maybe given this start, if the, when Dublin win, uh, no offence allowed, given another start, and if that isn't enough uh, to get him in the into the 15 kind of permanently going forward, well then it'll be back to the back to the usual. But I think that's what he do. I think he'll reward Costello. I think he'll reward Darren Gavin for his performances during the league as well. I think he'll start. As for, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Rory Carroll came back in. But would you say there about like, could he be kind of eased back in? I think that's harder for somebody in a full back line as opposed to maybe somebody that might play, you know, further up the pitch. I think full back lines often tend to be established early, like to kind of keep a consistency there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Philly McMahon is kind of mad as it is to say it to be kind of eased out um, as the year goes out. on. So if Darren Gavin plays in midfield, James McCarthy's wing back, Keane. O'Sullivan Jack McCaffrey then you'd have John Small cornerback you know yeah. like I mean they're, 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 they have an extra man there yeah. you know and then they're wondering where, where who plays in the in the cornerback they definitely have some questions that they need to answer in and around their, their back line and midfield yeah I, I think I think Rory Carroll will start actually I, I um, 
Yeah, I think Jim Gavin generally picks the team who he has as his team. I think so too. Every week. And the great, yeah. the, but the, the the scary part of anyone not making this loud game is they have loud who'll hammer. They have Kildare, Longford, Kildare nowhere near where they were a cup or even last year. They should win that, and they should should win the next three games comfortably Super 8s then yeah. then you're into the Super 8s yeah. and you've already if you're a Carmen Costello you've hit 1-4 1-3 and 1-6 there in those three <laughs> games you're not getting you're not out then yeah. until Super 8s and yeah. whoever didn't make this loud game is under serious yeah. pressure to get in and that's what happened you know like it's it's amazing how seamlessly like you know like if Bernard Brogan and Paul Flynn and, and boys like that lost their places like you know that would have been unthinkable a few years back yeah. but they did because he gave boys chances he brought Brian Howard in gave him his chance but I remember we were well, I was sort of thinking Brian Howard's not going to make that team why is he missing the Sigerson Cup game yeah, you know, yeah, but he, yeah. he got his jersey he kept his jersey and now there he is like, you know, and then suddenly he's just established and then somebody good is on the bench and whether that be Dean Rock or Paul Mannion or something you know, yeah. it could be I think Dean Rock boys. could be the one that could lose out because he was the one that lost out a few a few times during the league yeah um, I think O'Carroll like, well, I think he's in for a reason like you know, and I actually think they'll also want to avoid him being more of a storyline than he already is if you get him in now against Louis get that storyline out of the way yeah. is it true yeah. do you know and like he's Jesus very soon to come back in though isn't it he's going well with Kill McCall he's been back a few going months going all right with them yeah and like it probably is a good time to come in in the Leicester Championship and yeah. get three games under your belt and yeah I, I think like they did bring him in for a purpose and they're going to get him straight in well that's what I think anyway. okay. um, the handicap here is the only thing threatened lads are they going with 17 under pressure here or what do you think we're all going for a no Dublin I think Loud, Loud beat the handicap yeah. I think, I, I think the, the exact same as you I think it was in Crow Park I think I'd fancy Dublin to win by 17 or more but Loud are, Loud are decent I expect them to stay with them for a long time and then Dublin to probably win by about 10 points yeah yeah. No, I, 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 yeah I'd be thinking 12 to 15 point win maybe <coughs> on paper I think Dublin would hammer it but they haven't been the same this year so far and I know it's only the league but I think, I think Louisville will stay within it ok right the other one is Antrim Tyrone similar odds here lads Antrim 1-80 to Tyrone 20-1 to handicap here is 12 let's just get straight into predictions here lads because we this is going to be one sided and we spoke loads about Tyrone so I'm going for Tyrone here and I'm going for them to beat the 12 Tyrone minus 12 for me yeah yeah same as ok great stuff Leash Westmead O'Connor Park 2 o'clock I'm going to go to this one then again I didn't like what Connor said about going the weather forecast is bad um, Westmead are <laughs> even money Leash are slight outsiders at 11 to 10 I'd have that uh, pretty much the same Westmead have beaten Leash twice already this year um, Leash are missing Trevor Collins and Robbie Piggott who would be two men on the half back line um, Benny Carroll has obviously gone to America so like I mean if you're judging off the Division 3 um, league final you'd have Westmead as favourites for this because Leash were very very disappointing in that game so they have a lot of improving to do I thought the ball into the full forward line was, was horrific into Donny and Evan O'Carroll I didn't think they had a very good uh, system we saw with Armagh and Down how easy it is to get in good ball and potentially work off it um, if you have ball winners in there and Leash have plenty of ball winners in there now even though Westmead will play defensively so it's a, an interesting one um, Kevin Martin was doing some media um, this week he's saying it's hard to beat a team three times in a year they're going to have their homework done when it comes to championship it's a different game altogether teams will raise at 10 or 15% but he says this is probably one of the strongest panels I've ever seen there a lot of young lads have been in and out the last few years 
uh, after stepping up big time the likes of Ronan Wallace full back he was one of the best players in the league so I don't know there's just a real if you're talking about momentum and everything Westmead have won everything that they could win so far this year um, I have Westmead as slight favourites um, unless there's a big improvement for Leash, you'd be feeling Westmead but I'm not going to go against my own county in a, in a 50-50 game <laughs> so we'll have to give it to Leash to pull it out of the fire and have their forward line improve a lot I'm raging I didn't go with a draw last week at any stage for some of the games and I think this this one might be the one they put a draw on um, like they're just they're two good teams like they both have the same sort of balance within their teams and they're both well matched and they've already they're played well matched, each other yeah. twice they're so well I matched. do think yeah, like two good managers I, th- I think this, this has all the potential to be a draw um, I'm actually going to go for Westmeath Um there's a thing like the, if you you could say that because they played in the league because they played in the league final that there was a bit of shadow boxing between like maybe on Leash's behalf yeah, but I don't, I, know, I don't think so no, I don't think wasn't. so I think Leash were just flat on the day you said the ball into the forward line was terrible and like Westmead didn't hammer them around them but they, they just looked a better team in the day and you know sometimes teams have a number on other teams you know when they just meet them often enough and just they've, they, they, it gives them that extra bit of confidence knowing that they've beat them a couple of times already and knowing that at least they think they have their number now, I don't think there'll be much in it especially with Leash at home but um, I'm giving it very narrowly to Westmead OK we won't hold that against you Connor. Longford and Kildare in a Connor Park that's the second one I might give this one a miss and come home and watch the hurling like I was saying so Longford had a strange league really because at one point they were top in the league they lost to Leash Westmead and Down now they could easily have lost to Offaly and they could easily have lost to I think it was Carlo was another close one so they actually could have had a terrible league um, as it turns out the the Mulnahokta lads came back in um, eight of them were called in um, seven of them came in Rian Brady is gone he'd be a starting forward um, for Longford Donald McElliott and Paddy Fox joined up with them straight away and came straight back into the team I heard Robbie Smith has gone off the panel I think Longford this is a huge pity for Longford because if Longford had their full team I'd fancy mm-hmm. them to potentially win this game because I think Kildare are sitting ducks I don't think Kildare are anywhere near where they were um, I don't think the, the uh, this is through no fault of Kildare's I think the fellas missing I think they're just sleepwalking through this year Kildare are I think they're ready to be taken out by someone um, they'll be de- definitely taken out by Dublin if the, the I don't think Longford will have enough to take them out I initially had Longford minus three as a great bet and then started reading about all the fellas uh, that uh, Longford are missing and then was like oh look I'll stay away from that altogether so I fancy I fancy Kildare just to, to scrape over the line here against Longford yeah I fancy Kildare as well uh, yeah I make that three it's just uh, I probably would have been the same as you before hearing the lads are gone to the state because I, I, I don't know that, that has there been any team responsible for more shocks in the championship than Longford over the last few years Monaghan uh, Mead la- last, year, last year do you know what I mean Derry twice in a couple of years Derry yeah really good championship team particularly actually in the qualifiers I know this is the championship but just with everything uh, with the way the league went and with those lads gone and going for Kildare as well with, yeah. uh, will they beat the handicap stay away from the handicap yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes you can stay away from that <laughs> yeah. just stay away yeah. from it I'm not touching that um, Ulster quarter final then last one um, lads before we have to leave it for Manor and Donegal for Manna 9-2 outsiders Donegal 1-5 <coughs> very strong favourites in Brewster Park handicap here is 5 Donegal don't like going to Brewster Park I don't think anybody likes going to Brewster Park but there is a little mini rivalry going on with these two teams down through the years because remember we did the show in Letter Kenny last year and it was always 
Fermanagh were able to get the better of Donegal and have beat them plenty of times especially in Brewster Park and last year in the in the, in the Ulster final Donegal tore them apart now I don't think they'll be tearing them apart um, in their own home ground not the way not the way Fermanagh are playing um, I would chance Fermanagh plus five here a, a good bet here would be like under <coughs> sorry under 17.5 scores or something oh, yeah. like that you know the over and under because I think Donegal will win but I think it'll be like 11-4 or something and we'll be on here Monday and you'll be complaining about defensive football and Ulster and the championship and yeah. you know, this will be the start of it like you know um and I'm raging it's going to be on TV for everybody to see it <laughs> yeah no it is it's going to be a very very it's, Donegal are going to find it really ha- hard to break them down it often happens in these games that the first half could be 4-3 and the second half yeah. might open up a little bit like I mean it's hard to keep that intensity up from the defensive teams right throughout the game because we know the old school uh, coaching you get let the ball do the work save your energy but when you're not letting the ball do the work and you're running up and down the field, yeah. like, I mean, it's just physically impossible to keep that going, you know, throughout the game. I don't think conditions are going to be great on Sunday either, which probably won't help. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree to a certain degree, to a certain extent. I think that, um, I think it'll probably be low scoring, but I think Donegal will kind of run out comfortable in the end. Like, I'm just I'm thinking back to the Monaghan game last year and, like, while Fermanagh sprung a shock, it was only because they got the goal so late. I think if they got it a little bit earlier, I think Monaghan would have ended up winning in the end and maybe quite comfortably. So I fancy Donegal by, what's handicap, minus five? No, maybe I'll avoid the handicap, but fancy Donegal to be comfortable enough. Yeah, I'd, I would have said that anywhere other than Brewster Park. Right. I fancy Fermanagh at home potentially having that bit of pride and that bit of uh, history maybe against Donegal. So anyways, we'll see how that goes. Right, we'll be back with Damien from Paddy Power this week. Damien from Paddy Power welcome to the GER thanks Tom we're going to start off with my accumulator because this week there aren't many hurling games so we're going to combine the two together and my confidence is very low Damien (laughs) so I've gone I'm not sure going with a load of handicaps is going to is a good thing with with handicaps so I'm going Roscommon plus 5 I'm going Loud plus 17 I'm going Wexford in the hurling plus 4 and I'm going for a straight Donegal win so what have you got for me on that yeah we've gone 15-2 out to 10-1 for that so we'll give you a nice round price 10 to 1 yeah and we'll see we'll see okay it's not easy to get these accumulators <laughs> no, up no. but my I definitely need to get something going here fairly soon so come here we'll get into the games or before we get into the games um, any specials or anything you want to tell us about uh, yeah I suppose this weekend we're kind of more focused on football and for the games on Saturday night we have a special Conor Callahan and Kevin McLaughlin both score a goal we've gone from 10s out to 12s two play- teams players you'd expect to be in around the goal and maybe have a chance and then on the Sunday game, we have a special Kildare minus three, Donegal minus five, and Leash eight to one from seven to one. So that's one, something for the Saturday night and something for the Sunday. And we have a weekly money back too, where um, if any of our live games, if you back a first goal score, any scores any time in the game, you'll get your money back. So get that's all back. our, our live, all live TV games, all through the championship. Okay, very good. So the Sky game, obviously, on Saturday night, and then BBC have Donegal for Manor, and then Wexford Galway on RT. Then yeah, well. and uh, yeah, I think um, Tyrone Antrim is on BBC as well. Oh, that's well, so deferred. That's a deferred game. Yeah. So it even works on a deferred game, no, does it? Tyrone Antrim like is live on BBC this weekend. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't, right. I don't know why really. But <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So right, May Roscommon we talked about this the handicap here is 5 I'm fancying Roscommon um, plus with the 5 point head start Mayor unbackable here at 2-9 to nine. Yeah I I agree with you I think Roscommon plus 5 is possibly the bet I wouldn't actually put anyone off 
back in the 92 Ross Common if you want to take a bit of a chance to win it's I a good it's a good bet isn't yeah, it four yeah, and a half th- to one yeah I think it's a bit I think it's a bit interesting like Mayo obviously are coming in a bit after winning the league and like they're coming in flying but still if I was looking at that Mayo forward line that's that's been picked I don't think there's anything that would strike any fear into me like you could probably argue Ross Common have better forwards maybe Connor Cox Dearman Murta and I think they'll be I think you'll see Roscommon a bit different this year as well with Cunningham in instead of Maxey I think they're maybe a bit nice the last few years and I think they'll be very aggressive and I think they'll really tear into Mayo and I could see them giving them a very good game this weekend Yeah, very good that's very similar to what I said Damien in the <laughs> previous section so we might give you a, a punditry job here Carlo Mead we were unsure well we obviously everyone going Mead are 1-8 Carlo 6-1 to one. we were a little bit unsure about the minus 6 here so we kind of I said I'd stay away from it we yeah, fancy I'd Mead strongly though I wouldn't have a massive opinion on the minus six. Yeah, I think I think Mead. I do think Mead might be a little bit over, undercooked. I, like I think they put an awful lot into league, and it's maybe maybe that game against Offaly showed they mightn't be able to keep going in championship. But I wouldn't have a, like the one bet I did to pick is Carlo to be leading at half time and Mead to win at eleven to two. I think Carlo might start off strong and Mead might take Mead a while to figure out how to break him down. So that's the one I would maybe have. A yeah, not it. That's not a bad one. So Dublin loud, Dublin one to a hundred is crazy stuff, isn't it? Like at this stage, um, <laughs> yeah. handicap here seventeen. Anything else interesting in this one? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably slightly favour loud at the handicap. Just I think the venue is a big change. Obviously, like if it was in Crow Park, we'd probably have a handicap of like twenty twenty one yeah. points. So, but I think loud should be able to stick within the handicap. One thing I will say about loud is I do think they have decent forwards like a Jim McNeeny. Ryan Burns and you can back Loud to score over 11.5 points 11 to 10 so I think that might be I think that might be one of it that Oh yeah that's a very good bet now yeah. you'd imagine they should get over that because like yeah. I mean Dublin will give up a few yeah. chances Yeah you I know? thought so yeah. yeah Very good Antrim and Tyrone this is a similar situation 1 to 80 20 to 1 minus 12 which we all fancy Tyrone to beat Yeah I'd probably fancy Tyrone to beat it as well I think like they've gone a bit more attacking this year and I think that'll help them in I think they tend to overpower teams like Antrim. They just can't get to them. And one man I might fancy is Colin McShane, first goal scorer, 6-1. He's been the man in form the last while and he'll be in around full forward. So I think at 6-1 is a fair enough price. 6-1 is a good one, although he's not known for scoring goals, is he? But, like, I mean, suppose 6-1 isn't isn't a bad one. Westmead Leash, this is the closest one of the whole weekend. Even money. How can Westmead be even money and Leash be 11-10? What's going on here? (laughs) I I think I might have asked Joe this before, but I can't remember what he said. I think think it's it's a very tight game. Like, I think just on the league final, you'd have Westmead as very slight favourites. But would they not be 10-11 then? Um, Maybe, but um, you can't... Kind of have to pick something like Leash were favourites for the league finals, so you ca- so we'd were rating them higher then. But I suppose as things move on, Westmead won that fair and square. I yeah. think like obviously the way it's priced, it's just it's going to be extremely tight. Like and fifteen to two to draw might be worth a nibble for people out there. Like I can you can't really see more than two or three points in it either. So yeah, like. definitely not. Conan went for the draw on that one. Have any any other bets in that one we need to look at, or will we move on to Long for Kildare? Uh, we'll move on to Long for Kildare. I think I just think Leash Westmead's very tight to call draws probably probably the one I'd be looking at yeah okay Longford are 11 to 4 um, Kildare 2 to 5 handicap here is 3 now I had this Longford plus 3 originally in my accumulator until I read about all the players that were, were gone for them yeah, and th- potentially Robbie Smith gone off the panel too have you heard that yeah I think Robbie Smith is gone and I think they're missing a few more in the forwards as well like they, they are missing Leon a lot Brady has gone to yeah. America um, they are missing a lot like the only thing is I wouldn't trust Kildare at all at the moment like 2-5 to five definitely wouldn't be for me I think like if I was having a bet I'd have a chance on Longford at 11-4 I know they're missing players but 
Kildare just looked to be in a very poor place to me. I think the kind of noise is coming out. When your best player doesn't want to commit to playing football for you, it's not a good sign. So Longford 11-4, I think, is maybe worth it. Yeah, OK, week. fair play. And last one is Fermanna Donegal. Um, 9-2, Fermanna are a very good price. They have a good record in Brewster Park against Donegal. The 1-5 Donegal and handicap is minus 5 here. Yeah, I think points. I think Donegal get through. I'd probably like Donegal on the handicap. I just think the thing with Donegal is they're very well set up to play against Fermanagh. Like they've good long range kickers who can kick long range scores, and a defensive system. As you saw in last year's Ulster final, if Donegal get two or three points ahead, Fermanagh will have to come out a bit, and that that then Donegal you'd expect will kind of pull away. So. I'd fancy the Donegal minus five there, I think. Okay, anything else in that? Any first goal scores or anything? Um, well, I suppose the man who's back and going to be one, probably one of the best forwards of the country, definitely has probably been a bit forgotten because he was out for the league, is Paddy McBrearty. So 13-2 first goal scorer. Like, I think they, I think he'll probably play in around the full forward line. They might have to move Michael Murphy a bit back out again. But yeah, I think 13-2 McBrearty for one of the best forwards in the country is a good price. Okay, very good. I'd say a lot of people would be glad to see him uh, shake the back of the net. Right, that's all we have time for Damien. Thanks very much. We'll be back on Monday as usual with a review show and we'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.